This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daffloss, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which takes us to Burnaby Mountain and ground zero for opposition to the controversial Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion. Breaking news this morning, Mounties have moved in to dismantle the pipeline protest site known as Camp Cloud. On August 16th, RCMP enforced a court order demanding campers remove all structures and their belongings and leave the sprawling tent city physically opposing work associated with the pipeline. The atmosphere, while well, it got really panicky for a while because we could hear the police dogs barking inside the compound. It wasn't the first time protesters had been removed from interfering with the Trans Mountain Pipeline, but it was the first time journalists were lumped in with protesters and forced to leave were told there would be consequences. Well, I can tell you we were threatened with arrest because I'm not actually at Camp Cloud. We're about 200 meters away. You can see a line of police officers here. They prevented us from getting anywhere near the camp where they were making arrests. Mounties defended the move. The uh, exclusion zone, uh, as defined in the court order, um, has been uh, cleared. And we're just allowing, the, this allows the city to bring in all of their equipment to uh, take down Shalmont Camp. The city of Burnaby, which applied for the court order, insisted it was time to clear the camp. We have a significant issue. The fire chief has come down here and said, this is a real threat. Residents said it was past time something was done. We wanted it gone because of the intimidation, the fear factor. I want to bring in reporter Nafisa Kareem now because, Nafisa, viewers are used to seeing you a lot earlier in the morning than they would on this day, but your first report wasn't until 7 a.m. because of everything that was going on at the site. It wasn't just that. We were at a different story earlier that day in Surrey. It was the uh, baby that was pinned underneath a pickup truck, and then we got word that these arrests were happening. So we drove from Surrey over the Patello up Burnaby Mountain, and when we got there, they said, oh, you can't come in. There's an exclusion zone. Uh, No one is allowed in or out. Um, So we said, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to have to park and walk. So we parked um, up near uh, Forest Grove Park, and then we hiked in with all of our gear. Uh, And as soon as we got close, uh, the police told us we couldn't go any further uh, or we would be arrested. And so then you started an exchange with the police on scene alongside other journalists trying to get access to the site because this is a huge development in the uh, pipeline dispute in opposition to the pipeline to actually clear those protesters out. There had been talk of this for, for weeks, if not months. So to finally make the move was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. That camp had been there for a long time and we have covered it from day one, basically. Um, And we've been covering arrests in and around Burnaby Mountain with respect to anti-pipeline protesters for years now. We were there live when the first protesters were arrested on Burnaby Mountain when Kinder Morgan was starting their exploratory drilling and the first of the arrests unfolded in front of our cameras. We did not have that opportunity this time around because we were kept fairly far back. The reason that they gave us was that the court had granted them the ability to create an exclusion zone around the tent city so that they could uh, enact these arrests, but we were to be kept 200 meters back, which we were given this um, court ruling by the RCMP, and we went through it paragraph by paragraph, and it was my argument that the spirit of the judgment and the city of Burnaby itself 
in evicting these protesters had said that lawful protesters and lawful assembly is fine. However, structures and camping or building of anything is not fine. And so we had left our vehicles off site. We'd only brought our camera and our transmitter. We did not have any intention to build anything. So <laughs> therefore, you know, we were well within the law. However, the RCMP disagreed with us and we did what we could to try to convince them otherwise, but we were kept quite far back. So the, the court has, has defined the Shelmont campsite so you, that means yeah, 200 order, meters down this so trail. So if we follow that logic, you are saying that in order to keep the peace, you need to arrest us? Because no, if you're refusing to leave the campsite, which is defined here as 200 meters down this trail, but we're not camping. then you're subject to arrest. Section A specifically says that the defendants are not... the court has granted us the, the powers to remove persons if from they this are, campsite. Let, go back to Section A, and it defines who you are allowed to remove. Section A, any persons who are constructing, assembling, or building structures, erecting structures, or temporary or no, permanent no, no. So camping. You, the defendants and any other persons having notice of this order are hereby restrained from... Yeah, so I'm not allowed to do any of those of things. This, including everything that follows in this order. So then we, you ended up covering the story anyhow because it was super important. Uh, Chopper 9 was there with a lot of visuals. Uh, you ended up being able to report, but how challenging was it not being able to be up there close to be able to actually see what was happening for, with your own eyes, which is what we normally get to do? It's challenging because we can only tell the public what we see. That's our job. We're documenting what happens. And when we can't see what's happening, you know, we have to say things like, well, the RCMP say they're doing this. The RCMP is telling us this. Protesters are telling us this because at that point, a lot of them had been cleared out of the area and we were hearing what they had to say. So we were basically regurgitating what other people were saying in the absence of our own visual confirmation. And it wasn't until we had the chopper up and the city of Burnaby took over the scene from the RCMP, we were able to go in and see exactly what they were doing in terms of dismantling the camp itself. Herb Ramos joins me now. Thank you so much for finally being on BTS with CTV. Thank you, Penny. Thank you for having me on. So we've already heard from Nafisa what it was like as she set the stage for us, but what was it like for you there? Because I know the camera is always makes you a huge target. What was it like for you? Were, were the RCMP kind of zeroing in on you, or, or what was your sense of how things were going on from a cameraman's perspective? Well, I've experienced this before. It's, you know, it wasn't my first time. I... I was running up the hill, the roads were already shut down. I saw another cameraman way up the hill, so I started running up with a tripod and camera, and sure enough, there comes five police officers toward me. So from experience, I know to set up your tripod, press record, and walk in front and start talking to them. So I was like, what's up, guys? So why are you kicking us up? Here you go, everything's already in motion here. Here you go. Just where everyone else is back there, thanks, man. This isn't a crime scene, right? It's not a crime scene. On the bottom, it says yeah. a distance of 200 meters more or less. They said we couldn't be there. And immediately, they're like, you got to get out of here. Handed me the injunction notice, and then I started reading through it. And I quickly challenged it and said, no, we're on here. Does it say that we are excluded? Can you guys point that out? And, they, mm. and then right there is when it all started unravel. 
So you've known from past experience, because you've been doing this job for years now, how important it is to document this kind of stuff. Do you think that they knew that they were being documented as they were having this exchange with you? I would hope that that's what, you know, they understand that if, and you could be recorded anywhere now, yeah. even if there is no cameras. But uh, most of the time, it doesn't seem like they know that it's turned on. If it's behind me and recording, I don't think they know that it's actually being recording every event that's being said. And those microphones are awesome. They pick up mm -hmm. everything. So then what happened next? Uh, they're trying to serve you with this injunction that doesn't specifically say the media. What happened after that? That's when my reporter, Nafisa Kareem, showed up, and they also handed it to her. And she quickly read through it and, you know, same thing. It's like, where does it say that the media is excluded from this event? And she started challenging it immediately, saying, you know, we have a charter of rights and freedom in Canada as journalists mm -hmm. to document events and to be a non-biased witness to everything that happens in our country. And how did they take to that argument? Uh, I don't think it was a staff sergeant. It was the first time I actually experienced a staff sergeant that was not... Usually it's the younger cops, the... Mm -hmm. You know, the rookie cops that challenge the media being in any event. and But they didn't like it. He went back and talked to, I guess, higher-ranking members that were there. And then he came back and he, he held his ground. He said, no, you guys got to leave. But, you know, within 30 minutes, you could see he got a phone call and he came back and said, okay, we're going to let you guys up. How delicate is it, because you've covered so much stuff like this, uh, so many police incidents in your career that's kind of been a specialty of yours, how delicate is it to try to express what our rights are to be at a scene to document versus trying to keep that relationship so they don't get more antagonistic? That's got to be really hard. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, police have a hard enough jobs as it is, and I've always said they should at least have a two-day course on media on how to deal with, you know, newspapers, print journalism, media like us, for television, documentary makers, all of that. They need, they need a course when you go to the depot or the Justice Institute, mm -hmm. and it would help out. And, you know, there are great, great municipalities out there that know how to deal with us, Vancouver Police, Abbotsford Police. There are certain detachments that I think that, that maybe the, um, whether it's the commanding officers or whether it's a more overarching policy, mm -hmm. uh, they're a little bit more leery of us, for sure. Yes, like, in I was thinking back to, uh, you know, uh, Occupy Vancouver mm -hmm. and the Oppenheimer Park Tent City. We were right there, right beside the VPD, working alongside them, document everything that was happening. They had no problem with us being there. So this was bizarre to me that we were excluded. Do you think that part of it is because we've seen in a lot of different instances, both in Canada and the United States, um, especially around pipeline politics, that people will pose as journalists to get into, uh, I'm thinking it happened during the pipeline hearings, it happened during um, uh, events with the Prime Minister where he was discussing this stuff. People were saying, oh, I'm an accredited journalist. They were getting in. And then it it really kind of ruins it for the rest of us that are legitimate journalists. And I, I don't mean you, you have to be like a big name like CTV, but I'm thinking small town newspapers, everything else, it makes it hard when protesters are getting in claiming that they're journalists. And then all of a sudden, what does journalist mean? And so that um, legitimacy and respect that we have, because you're trained, you know how to stay out of their way. You're there to document, but you never get in the way of cops, firefighters, paramedics. You know the, the drill. Whereas when you have citizen journalists, as they like to call themselves now, I think that that's really muddied the waters and that's kind of paved the way for an interaction like this. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I've seen, you know, I've been to events where these guys don't, other, you know, bloggers, mm -hmm. they don't know how to follow the rules and they cross the yellow tape or they push the boundaries. No, 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 placing or otherwise maintaining any structure. I'm not assembling a structure. I am not assembling a building. I'm not assembling a shelter. I'm not assembling a temporary or permanent camping or lodging or cooking facility. Okay, let's go to 10 seat. Okay. So Nafisa, the city of Burnaby is in kind of a weird situation in terms of this camp because they're opposed to the pipeline, to the pipeline itself. But when it comes to this camp, there were so many safety issues. And we were hearing a lot of different things from residents in that area and then the campers themselves saying that it was, uh, that they had every right to be there and that it wasn't actually unsafe. It took a lot of uh, balance to try to bring all those perspectives forward to try to make viewers understand what was actually happening in what is actually a pretty complex situation. It's not just about protesters against a pipeline. No, this was, there were bylaw issues that this city said were being ignored. It's a blind corner, the corner of Shelmont and Underhill. There's no stop sign there. So they had these campers and, you know, a two-story wooden structure near the corner. So if you're coming to take that corner, you wouldn't be able to see what's coming. So the city said, you need to remove that. And to their credit, they did move one of the trailers away from the corner. However, they had a sacred fire. They had this fire that had been burning for months nonstop in this camp. And the uh, city says that the fire chief went and inspected it. There's actually Shell Oil's fuel tank facility further down the hill. And there's a, a brush area in between the camp and this tank facility. So, of course, the fire chief is going to be concerned that there is open flame at a time where we have an extreme fire risk. So they didn't put it out. Uh, that was one of the issues that the city had. So the city, while they were in favor of having protests around, but they were not cool with having the campers there uh, with these structures and, of course, this open flame. What was the sense that you got from protesters and whether or not they wanted you there? Because I've covered this thing on and off for, for years, but even in the in recent months, sometimes they like us there when they have a message and, and they really appreciate us. You know, when there was uh, police had forcefully arrested a couple of seniors a few months ago and, um, you know, uh, gotten into a, a camper van. It was there. They were happy to see us there. Other times the welcome has not been so great. What was the tone uh, this time when you had gone there to talk to the protesters? It depends on who's there. Some of the campers are very much, oh, you're part of the corporate media machine. You're telling Justin Trudeau's narrative. Sometimes they're glad to see us there documenting what's going on and also giving them an opportunity to say why they're there. In this case, uh, they saw that I was openly challenging um, the police's stance to keep us far back um, because they wanted people to document what was going on. Um, they were more than happy to see us there. Um, I, I'm indifferent. Whether they're happy to see us there or not doesn't change how we do our job. Um, but from a safety standpoint, when you have people who are openly hostile towards you, it does make it challenging, but we still, we still cover the camp whether they like us or not. Yeah, and I just meant it more in terms of cooperation because sometimes they don't... One of the stories that I did there, there were a lot of... Um 
uh, let's just say, clashes between different fractions factions within the protest group, and they didn't like that, you know, some of the First Nations felt that the message was being distorted and perverted, and they didn't like what was going on with people coming from outside the community. So sometimes I found it really easy for people to want to speak on the record, and otherwise, other times not. So it's uh, just a matter of, you know, what, people being forthcoming with their opinions on camera, which is a very different story than them just talking to you as a person. Well, the other thing, it's not just one group that's down there. There are multiple organizations with multiple protests, and they all have different leaders. Some of them have different communications coordinators. Um, and there's also two sites. There's the site where the camp was, but then there's Westridge Marine Terminal, which is further down the hill. And there have been a completely different set of protests there where people have sort of camped in the middle of the street and then they get arrested there. Um, so we're, we're dealing with different individuals. Some of them are media friendly. Some of them are not. And sometimes it's just whoever happens to be there on any given day. So, Herb, a few years ago, there were protesters at Burnaby Mountain, and it was a very different mood with the uh, RCMP. I was there, and it was they let us come right up to the line just to document what happened. This was a really, you know, total swing of the pendulum in the other direction. But do you think that maybe there's lessons learned in how to interact with us that in the future, as pipeline protests continue, that um, that we may go kind of back towards a more middle ground where we can work more, um, I don't want to say collaboratively, but where we can work in a way that doesn't get in, in the police way and that they can respect that we have a job to do. Do you think that there may be some lessons learned after this? I hope so. And, you know, we've never pushed, but we've never get in their way. We, we try to stay as far back as we can. We have a long lens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And as long as we can get a good shot and see what's going on, but when you, when you put us way behind the forest and down a road and around the corner, just so we can't witness what's going on, that's when I do have a problem and I hope they see it you know, it, it, this is Canada. Mm -hmm. There's countries in the world where, you know, this is what happens to journalists. They are blocked. They are prohibited from seeing what's going on. I come from a country where, you know, journalists are killed. Yeah. They're trying to do their job. But. Well, and I think that... Um you and I are, are definitely the type of journalist that's very curious. And I think the moment that we're told, no, stay over there, it's like, what do you want to keep me from seeing? And I think that that really, in doing, in pushing us away, it made us be like, okay, well, now we really have to know what's going on. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what it, it me and my reporter, Nafisa, were, what? Okay, well, what are they trying to hide? What are you trying to hide? What are you guys afraid of us documenting? It raises a lot of alarm bells, and that's why I'm glad that we had the resource of Chopper 9 to be able to show exactly what was happening, because it's like, okay, well, if you want to block us from the ground, but people deserve to know what's happening. If you don't want us to see, that's all the more reason for us to see what's going on. Yes, absolutely. Nafisa, earlier you mentioned uh, one of the first clashes on Burnaby Mountain where they were trying to clear up protesters. I was there that day. There were more police than protesters. And it was a very different tone from RCMP moving in to uh, do what needed to be done, what they were ordered to do. They didn't mind us being there. I remember being right up to the line alongside the officers to document and show everything live on the air. No friction at all, no issues. What do you think was different this time in trying to keep us out? And, and what do you think that said about how we're going to be able to cover this type of thing in the future? I'm not sure, uh, other than the passage of time and the amount of attention that has come to this story, those are the two things that I think have changed. Um, because the next day after the um, protests on Burnaby Mountain with the exploratory drilling... 
they actually closed the road up to Burnaby Mountain and everybody had to walk in whereas the first day we were able to drive in so I mean it was logistically challenging right after that anyways Um, so I'm not sure exactly what the change was it could be just a very very strict reading of this judge's ruling Um, there are some who will say they don't want us to see what they're doing they don't want that level of scrutiny I can't speak for what their motivations may be But at the end of the day, as a result of the way that they interpreted this court ruling, it meant that we could not show what they were doing. Though we did from Chopper 9, so try to keep us from the ground. It's such an incredible resource to be able to actually show. You don't hear what's happening, but to get a better sense of it rather than 200 meters away from it and screened through trees and all the rest of it, it still gave us a tremendous tremendous perspective about what actually was happening. And you could actually see the scope of the camp better from the air. I mean, this was not a few tents. This was a tent city. They had a bathroom area with a porta potty and a cleaning station. They had had built a two-story tower. They had a cabin that they had built on site. They had vehicles. They had trailers. Um, you know, this wasn't just a few tents on the side of a road with some signs. This was something that had been built up over months and months with a lot of people's hands in it, and it took a long time for them to dismantle it. Do you think the fact that they were criticized for being so heavy-handed, in particular with the media, is going to mean that next time maybe the pendulum is going to not swing so far in that direction and they will allow us to not be quite so far away or not threaten us with arrest just for being somewhere to document something that's a major issue in the community? I honestly don't know. Um, We've seen it go both ways, and sometimes it depends on what police force we're dealing with. When we looked at Occupy Vancouver and, you know, that was done, we were right up there. With municipal police, sometimes the access is very different, and sometimes it just depends on who's reading the court judgment and what their interpretation of it is on any given day. So I'm not sure, but when the city of Burnaby took over the scene, uh, they were very clear. They created an area for us to be where we would not be in the way that safety would not be an issue. Uh, Because, you know, I understand police have a job to do. We don't want to be in their way. That's not not what I want to do. We don't want to be making it unsafe for anyone. However, the area that we were dealing with was quite large. There was space for us to be where we would not have been in their way. Um, And it just seemed excessive to keep us 200 meters back because the city of Burnaby with their backhoes and their bulldozers, they had some serious heavy equipment and they had us right up there, um, you know, right at the trailhead. So, you know, it was just interesting to see how one, one group versus another, how they handled the situation with us. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being so, um, for fighting the good fight on the front lines and trying to get us in there because not everybody can be on Burnaby Mountain to see what's going on, but a lot of people want to know, so it's important that we're fighting to be there to show them that. Thanks, Penny. Thank you, Penny. I also want to thank Sabrina Gans for her help with archival audio this week, and thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos. Daphos.